Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Hard in the Paint NBA podcast. The NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. It is still the off season, but I still have Michael here with me. And today on this wonderful July 15th, a lot, a lot of stuff went on. Uh, a, lot, a lot of money moves, making big moves, as well as a couple little trickle tidbits of news here and there, as well as... Uh, Michael hit us with a special topic for the day, which of course is always appreciated. Uh, it's heard that he got it from uh, actually one of our uh, mailbag questions. It was kind of inspired by, so that's always great. We love your mailbags here. And uh, yeah, let's just hop right into it. But before we get into all of the fun, exciting activities that we have planned for the day, I'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode. And that is uh, nobody, because uh, they ran out of money. Uh, you know, it's the off season. I guess the sort of NBA sponsorship money is kind of uh, fizzled out for the most part. They spent it all on earthquake relief for the summer league players. Uh, but you know, not everybody can be sponsored all the time. I mean, just look at Ernie Johnson. You know, he he just he's never been sponsored. Speaking of sponsoring, uh, if you rewind the tapes to about a year ago. Believe me, Michael had a segment on an episode where we talked about uh, rules changes that we might have. And uh, the league has decided to implement a coach's challenge. Uh, each, each coach gets a basically like a challenge flag, just like football now, where they can uh, make the ref take a second look at a call that they think is incorrect or... Uh, misaligns with their team so michael what is your take on this overall good overall bad should we get paid for them stealing our idea what's going on here i really hate it this it just slows down the fucking game var in uh in soccer it's ruining it just it's, it's taking the whole rhythm out of uh these flow-based sports in a way. And I feel like the coach's challenge, I think is just going to be like another layer of stupid shit because it's like, what can he challenge on? We'll obviously be evolving probably over the course of the season, over the next couple of years. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm not a big fan. At some point you just say, fuck it. Like a ref's going to fuck up and then a ref's going to fuck up. And you hope that most of the time they fuck up in, ways that don't really matter to the outcome of a game. Um, obviously, in the NFL, this is like the big one, right? Because of uh, the Saints not going to the Super Bowl and shit. Um, basketball doesn't usually lead to like a random team winning. I know that Toronto obviously just won the title, but in general, like the NBA is less random than the NFL. So I don't particularly like this idea. I think it just slows down the game too much. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you bring up that I think the idea on paper sounds nice. Like, it sounds decent to be like, all right, let's have a, you know, let's wager a timeout. You know, let's make sure the instant replay is right. You know, his foot was past the line or, you know, is out of bounds on this guy or whatever. Like, that seems to make a lot of sense. But, you know, since Adam Silver's beginning, his tenure as president of the NBA, you know, he's made all these rule changes to 
increase the flow, like you say, and increase the pace of games. Because games were used to be like three hours long, and now they're just a little bit over two. And they're just go, 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 shorter timeouts, less timeouts, shorter halftime. Um, so this seems weird, even though I kind of like the idea. But I'll agree with you on this one. I think it, it ruins the flow too much. Um, yeah, I don't know how much they have in terms of specifics. I mean, if the coach's challenge has to be, you know, in and out, like whatever the review process is, has to be like done within 30 seconds or a minute or something. I mean, that's obviously probably not going to be too bad. It's basically just building in an extra timeout or maybe they can only do it during TV timeouts. Um, maybe that's when they review it. I don't know. It'd be kind of weird. Um, you know, do they do the whole, like in the NFL, I think it's like the last two minutes of the game. Um, there's like no coaches challenges. It just like comes from whatever the refereeing body is. So would that also be kind of what the NBA does is like last four minutes of a game coaches can't challenge. It just has to be like whatever's on the court goes on the court. I don't know. There's a lot of specifics to this that we don't know yet. I wonder if they've tried this out. Um, because one of the big things why VAR has been like really disastrous is because they just sort of rolled it out in terms of some of the bigger leagues as opposed to trying to work in some of the smaller leagues and like trying to field test it for a few years and then take it up the circuit to like the World Cup and stuff. So I'm hoping that this stuff that they've been talking about, coaches' challenges, that's something they've been trying in G League or FIBA or, you know, some of the smaller, less uh, spotlighted leagues. Um, just to get some of the kinks out. Yeah, you know, that was something we kind of had mentioned uh, back when they had that four-point uh, line in the All-Star game, and then even in the, was a big three, where they had that four-point ruffle spots or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, me and you kind of could see the trend. It's like, oh, maybe they're going to add a four-point thing to the NBA. Is it like, that would be a, a decent spot to try it out in, at least from a public perspective sort of thing, and Oh, how easy is this to actually do? And but so, anyways, uh, just just one of the little things I noticed, as well as uh, another Adam Silver announcement saying that they're looking at moving the summer league uh, more into the summer, so a couple weeks back, because of all of the roster moves with picks and not having contracts on draft picks yet, and some players from. The affiliate teams, uh, a lot of them just couldn't play because they weren't signed in time for the Summer League roster finalization. So uh, I think that's an overall good move. Makes a lot of sense. You know, you want to get as many of the young guys in Summer League as you can. You know, even second-year guys like, you know, Jarrett Allen maybe, for instance. You know, it, the the more high-profile talent that's in Summer League, the better. And maybe that's the big problem with Summer League this year is after Zion went out, I didn't really care anymore, which was pretty fast. Uh, however, just a couple takeaways I've noticed is uh, this guy for the Bulls, Daniel Gafford, turns out to be kind of the meddling surprise of it all. He's just like average like 20 and 10, which is pretty solid for Summer League. Uh, another important guy to look at, RJ Barrett. Had a pretty rough first couple games, but... Uh, steadily improving, which is nice to see him figuring out the flow. And, of course, the biggest disappointment is Zion himself, not only with the knee knock and him being rested for the rest of the time, but uh, just how out of shape he looked. 
um, which was very concerning. And maybe it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's been in a lot of contract meetings, a lot of press tours. He's got some lawsuits going on from his uh, past going on right now. So he's a busy man outside of the world of basketball. So I guess he hasn't had time to really uh, train, let alone he didn't, you know, they didn't really make a lot of noise in the tournament. So uh, that's kind of my summer league takeaways, uh, as well as a new conspiracy theory going on here. Uh, You might have heard that we reported here uh, a week or two ago that LeBron James was going to give Anthony Davis his 23 when he joined the Lakers. However, little did we know that uh, Nike would not allow this to happen because they already made too many LeBron jerseys with 23 on them. And therefore, they gave Anthony Davis the number three instead of the number 23. I totally believe this is a capitalist uh, Nike marketing strategy, as I reported last time, actually, that because of the number change, go grab your LeBron jerseys because they're super cheap right now. And I guess uh, Nike figured out. So what do you think about this? Good move, bad move? I didn't think Nike would actually have this much control over LeBron of all players. Right? I mean, ultimately, I don't really care. Um, So they kick it back a year, and then, you know, LeBron probably changes after they win the title. I mean, does anybody really care? So then LeBron can win two titles with two different numbers in Lakertown? I mean, it all depends what is, what numbers he's wearing in Space Jam, right? I mean, Ooh. does that kind of play into this a little bit? I don't know. AD, do we know why he picked three? So uh, his rationale on Twitter was he played 2K and changed his number multiple times, and he thought three looked the best. Sure. Okay. I mean, hey, it's, you know... <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a twenty three Chicago guy at heart, so I guess that was a pretty big deal to him. Okay, yeah, one I more mean... one more small bit of news here before we get into the major topic, and that is Iguodala. A little bit of rumors going around with Andre Iguodala. Um, of course, he got shipped out from Golden State. Uh, has been. He's on the precipice of being bought out. Therefore, he might end up, and the the rumors have it, that his two top bidders for Iguodala right now are the Rockets and the Clippers. Opinions. Clippers make the more sense if he cares about winning a title. Uh, but then they have basically the three best small forwards of the past decade outside of LeBron. Um, and Kevin Durant. And then Houston, it'd be kind of interesting because, um, you know, we'll get to this in like literally probably 30 seconds, but Houston, basically, if they were to pick up Iggy, Tyson Chandler, and Anthony Bennett, I mean, how do they not win the title? Right? I mean, it, it seems to make sense. It kind of fits that Trevor Ariza role that the Rockets lost last year, right? That 3 and D guy, the vet in the locker room, somebody that I think pretty much everybody there would respect uh, and then it makes even greater sense on the Clippers. He can come off the bench with now you've got Lou Will, him, Montrez Harrell. I mean, it's a little old, but damn, that's like a starting lineup for some other places. <laughs> yeah, but the opportunity to play with Anthony Bennett, a number one pick. 
Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Anthony Bennett here, let's let's hop into our major topic of the hour. That is the shocking trade that nobody expected. Russell Westbrook going to the Rockets for CP3 and I believe two picks. Uh, uh, something like that. I think it's two picks and then two swaps. Yeah, two picks and two swaps. Uh, pretty big deal. Um, you know that we had those rumors about a month ago that Chris Paul and James Harden were not getting along. Uh, obviously, Chris Paul has had his injury history. He's getting a little older. Both of their contracts are absurdly huge. Um, and now we get Westbrook reunited with. James Harden, which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, so I guess we need to sing our swan song to the team of the future that was the 2010-2011 Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, that team has entirely moved on, and the only people left are Sam Presti, of all people. Yeah, you got to say, though, Sam Presti's been doing... You know, out of these two trades, pretty pretty savvy GMing. Um, normally, I wouldn't say that you're doing a good job when you're trading away your best players, but he's getting a hell of a lot back in the return. I mean, okay, so rewinding that, you know, Paul George, another CP3 trade waiting. Yeah, like this is upwards of like ten first round picks he might be getting here at the end of the day. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. <laughs> um. So I guess my first question is, uh, how is this going to be remembered? Is this going to be remembered as a Russell Westbrook trade or the CP3 trade? Because normally when you got a big name, usually it's, you know, you kind of break the, the, the big name dollar into like four quarters or whatever, you know, a la Paul George, a la Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on, right? Usually there's like a guy that headlines the trade and it's just kind of known as that trade. But in this case... Which way are you leaning? Is this a Russell Westbrook trade or the CP3 trade? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, who's the who's the better star right now? I don't know. <laughs> like the trade makes it seem like CP3 is less valuable than us, right? Because they had to throw in picks to make it work. But I don't right. know if that's true. <sighs> I mean, CP3 has gone further in the past two playoffs than Russell Westbrook. Yeah, but if we discount the last two years, Russell Westbrook went to the finals. <laughs> yeah, but he also had Kevin Durant. Okay, that's, I mean... a, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I, I think I would call this the CP3 trade, mostly off of those rumors of bad blood and broken relationship type thing, You know, him kind of forcing his way out. Like we see more and more players do now. So if it's a CP3 trade, and let's say Sam Presti in the next four days trades CP3 again, does that mean we call the CP3 trade number two? Yeah. We call it Sam Presti redeeming himself. I don't, I don't know. Like this is, he's got like it's obvious he's got to go somewhere. Like a CP3 does not dress up for training camp, right? Like he's he's out like next week, at least. Um, so which trade has been the best under the press C watch? The PG trade, the Westbrook trade, or the Harden trade? It's got to be the PG trade, right? Like, that's the biggest value trade, like, ever? 
It's five for yeah, like five first yeah. round picks for a guy that might have two broke broken shoulders and a broken leg. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy, this is crazy. Man, a year ago, you and I thought OKC was like they could be the team to upset Golden State in the West, and now they're fucking probably on the tank watch for at least the next three to five years. Yeah, this is this is absolutely wild. I don't think anybody would have seen, let alone see the Paul George trade. And then, of course, once that happened, the writing was on the wall for Westbrook, right? But Westbrook for CP3 was not what I was expecting. When does Oklahoma City go back to Seattle? Holy crap. Dude, it's got to be like next year. Like... <laughs> Like this year will be their swan song, and then next year Seattle, boom, we're going. Uh, what happens to Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, Gallinari, Clint Capella? I mean, those are kind of the the fallout pieces. Yeah, there's got to be a CP3 trade, right? There's no way they're stuck paying this guy. When if you're gonna blow it up, you might as well blow it up and not have to pay all these dudes. Plus, they already have SGA. Yeah, I mean, CP3 is... Some team finds value in him somewhere. Like, that's Minnesota. why I... I, I Flip him for Wiggins? Yeah. And then Sam Presti flips Wiggins for some more shit? Honestly, I would flip CP3 for Wiggins right now. You're okay tanking at OKC. You're totally fine with it. CP3 helps Minnesota. They need a point guard. Derrick Rose is gone. Um... <laughs> Who's the other guy? Uh, Jeff Teague. The guy from Duke. The guy from Duke. A point guard? Yeah. Quinn Cook? I don't know. I can't think of his name. It's not Quinn Cook. It's uh... Seth Curry, Austin Rivers. Who else is Kyrie? I don't know. I'm just naming guards from Duke. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it's, you know, Minnesota has not had a. Uh pick and roll point guard to pair with so the supposed big man of the future of Carl Anthony Towns. So that would be nice, and the money works out pretty evenly on that one. Um, I could see, honestly, I think what should happen is if you look at the point guards in the East, CP3 could be the all-star game starting point guard for the East if he got traded <laughs> to the other conference. Uh, Philly, Philly, Philly. <laughs> Philly, Miami, CP3 Orlando. Ben Simmons. ben Simmons just signed a contract extension today, by the way. CP3 for Ben Simmons. CP3 to the Knicks. Oh, that'd be a rough way to go for Knicks fans, man. Chicago? I think they're better off just trying to tank again. They just picked up Kobe White out of the draft. And score Chris Dunn. I mean, he could go. I think Milwaukee would love to have like a real point guard. What about Orlando? I think Orlando would make sense because all they have is Markel Fultz and a DJ Augustine, DJ right? DJ Augustine. Yeah. And Augustine's always been a backup, so it'd make a lot of sense there. That's like the best need, right? Uh, I don't know how Denver could do this, but if Denver managed to do it, I think that'd be pretty sick. Ooh. I have no idea how they'd ever be able to put it together, but... Yeah, or, you know, maybe uh, 
Dallas is somehow in the mix because they seem to always be in the mix somehow. They have Luca. They already have a guard. They already have point. You need guard. more black people on that team. You got too many white people. Or maybe he goes to L.A. Right, and then his trade gets rejected by David Stern from the grave. Which L.A.? That's a legitimate question. And both of them are super teams, so this can't happen. <laughs> um, what about Stephen Adams? What's the value for Stephen Adams? Well, unfortunately, the Thunder did this great thing of overpaying Stephen Adams. So his value is a little weird right now. And especially because everybody kind of just signed a bunch of big men. You know, we saw... The Lopez twins in Milwaukee. L.A. signed a whole bunch of guys, big men. Um, Do you think the Lakers regret giving that money to guys like Boogie and JaVale McGee when they could have just like waited another couple of days and gotten Steven Adams? That's why I'm really interested by the timing of all this, right? It's like if this trade was like, like the first trade instead of the last trade. Yeah. Like very reasonably, Chris Paul to L.A., you know, Kawhi and Paul yeah, George I feel like the happen. Lakers are just kind of stupid. Uh, you know, the, like they've sort of been left out of all of these trades, right? The Paul George trade. Now, basically, whatever, it's CP3, Steven Adams, Kawhi. It seems like the Lakers are very much on the outside looking in on a lot of these things. Uh, and that's not good for them. Yes. And I don't know if there was just like a league-wide conspiracy theory to bait the Lakers and the not getting anybody except a duo. But uh, it seemed to have worked for everyone else in the world. So, uh, what about Gallo? He's on an expiring contract. He'll probably stay there. I, I, I it's hard to ju me justify another team paying Gallo a bunch just because he plays <laughs> less than fifty games a year. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty pretty meager numbers. What about Click Capella? I know that Clint Capella hasn't exactly been talked about, and they probably run it back now they have Westbrook, um, who you know plays a lot of pick and roll and stuff. But maybe this is also the time to uh, flip Capella. You know, strike while the iron's hot. I don't know. Capella feels kind of similar to Stephen Adams to me in terms of the team had to overpay him to keep him, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think Capella's value is that high. You got to think, you know, every big man that's played with CP3 has been, been overpaid at the next year. I mean, look at DeAndre Jordan, like, this year. I mean, you could have had Tyson <laughs> Chandler and CP3 reunited, which would have been cool. But, I mean, you think, like, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, obvious, like, the best best one I was thinking of. So, I think Capella's numbers are going to go down, unfortunately. But I think he's still valuable to this team. Because now you have to have someone cover the defensive lapses of Westbrook, Harden, and Anthony Bennett all at the same time. <laughs> Anthony Bennett. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Anthony Bennett's back in the league. Uh, might actually be the most surprising offseason move. Even more so than the Paul George and CP3 trades. It would only have been better if, like, somehow him and Markel Fultz got together on the same team. <laughs> the Redemption Squad. I think... Uh, 
Denver picked up Jeremy Grant as part of the uh, OKC uh, blow it up package. What do you make of uh, Jeremy Grant joining? Uh, Very solid. Denver, Denver needs the uh, kind of the Aminu esque combo forward that they can play, you know, in small ball lineups. Uh, very athletic. Yeah, they need to they need to butch up their front court a little bit. Uh, besides Jokic, and give them a guy who's pretty versatile in both offense and defense. Uh, how do you think his skill kind of blends? I think with Denver's system, with he'll fit in pretty well. Yeah. I mean, you know, didn't really do much besides shoot threes and get, like, offensive boards and stuff in OKC, and I would expect his role to be pretty similar. I mean, it's not like you're going to let this guy pick and roll or ISO or anything like that. So, I Would you rather have pick. Jeremy Grant or Pascal Siakam? Uh, Jeremy Grant is two years away from being Pascal Siakam. All right. <laughs> Take there. So, uh, uh, can Russ and Harden be better than the sum of their parts and actually be a title-winning team? It'll be really interesting. I'm not sure <laughs> if if they're technically better than they were last year. Like, it it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Because you know Russ isn't a knockdown open three shooter, especially when Harden goes like total ISO mode, mm-hmm. and Russ is also Mister ISO. I mean, it's that's you know a couple MVPs between the two of them, which is very nice. Uh, Mr. Triple Double here and, you know, 40-20 guy, but I feel like they need to change the play style just a little bit to be more complimentary. Either do it like quarter by quarter or, you know, have Harden and Russ play off ball off each other better. Like, if they could just run <laughs> some, like, Golden State back screens just a little oh bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, do you think Kevin Durant has regrets signing with Brooklyn instead of Houston? Dude, I, as soon as I saw this trade, I'm like, how many? How long is it until Kevin Durant rejoins everybody in Houston? Like, Serge Ibaka, man, Toronto might try to blow it up by, uh, you know, February. It seems reasonable to me. I mean, you, you, to have that team reunited would be really cool. I don't know if it would work anymore, but it'd be really cool to see just from like a narrative fantasy standpoint. Who's the uh, favorite in the West now? I mean, pending a CP3 trade or a Steven Adams trade or... Well, uh, according to the over-under odds for this year that I had, I believe I sent to you earlier today, Nice little segue. The Clippers are the number one favorite in the West, which I think everybody kind of agrees with. I feel like that's pretty unanimous. Really deep team. Maybe the best duo or tied for the best duo in the West. Yeah, I mean, if Clay was healthy, I would say Stephen Clay. I mean, LeBron so. AD is a really good duo, but it hasn't been proven yet, you know? And also, I don't, I mean, the fact that Kawhi and PG play the exact same position does leave me thinking PG's probably going to play the four, because I think he's slightly taller. So Kawhi does the three, but then... Oh, see, I think PG would play the two. 
Oh shit! You just think he'd be like a KD, like a Seattle KD? I mean, you got to remember his early Indiana days. He was playing the two a lot. Yeah, but that's because they had the man, Danny Granger. Exactly. He'd slot right back into his natural role without Lance Stevenson there. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go through some of these over-unders on wins. Um, so the Clippers right now are the favorites at 55 and a half wins. You going over or under on that one? 55 and a half. That doesn't seem that high. I'm going to go, uh, they're, they're going to definitely make over. That's not very high. So I think the argument here is, Two injury-prone guys, you know, 12 teams Kawhi's in the West. probably only going to play, like, 65 games. Yeah. 12 teams in the West can take a game off you. Like, there isn't just a team that everyone – there isn't as many teams that everybody can beat anymore in the West, it seems Yeah, but like. 55? I mean, 58, 59 wins sounds a little bit more reasonable. 58 I wins. Yeah, I might go the over. Okay, so then uh, number two are the Jazz at 52 and a half. So everyone's kind of dark horse team without the dynamic duo that the other teams have. I'm going to go under. Under 52? Yeah, I think this team is like overhyped. I don't think they're going to be that good at home. And I think a team like Utah or Denver or, uh, you know, Portland, like they have to be really good at home. And I don't know if Utah will be good at home. I don't know how they stop the crazy amounts of small forwards and shooting guards that everyone else in the West has. Yeah, pretty much. So then uh, tied for third are the Lakers and the Rockets at 51 and a half. Uh, I think both teams go over. I think you're looking closer to like 54, 55 games. Which would... I mean, 55 games, like last year, I think would only get you like a four seed. So, I mean, oddsmakers are basically saying the entire West is going to be a bit depressed. Um, and everybody's basically going to fall. Like, Yeah, I think the idea is you just have this massive bloodbath now where there isn't such a clear hierarchy anymore, especially with all the shakeup and nobody's really proven anymore. Um I suppose, but I still think there'd be a team that will just win enough games against the other guys that they'll put together like 58, 59 wins. All right, so next up we have the Nuggets at 50 and a half. I'm going to take the over on this one. I think the Nuggets are still really good. Uh, Are they going to be as good as they were last year at home? I mean, that's a big question. I'll take the under just to keep it interesting. So uh, next up is the Warriors at 47 and a half. I like the over. You like the over even without Clay. D'Angelo. D'Angelo. All right. I would take the under on that one, I think. I feel like 45 feels really solid. Uh, Blazers, though, are 44 and a half. Yeah, it seems low to me. It seems really low. (laughs) They've been like the number three seed for the past like three years. Like... (laughs) Fucking give them respect. Another team that could use some respect. The Spurs are next at 43 and a half. So the Spurs would be the eight seed? Like, I mean, assuming all this goes to like chalk. Yep, Spurs would be eight right now. Wow, so Kawhi's Clippers would play the Spurs? That'd be be a good (laughs) storyline. I feel like 43 is Uh, not enough, though. 
I actually like the under. I think this team trades away like LMA or DeRozan just says fucking blow it up. So I think this team basically bottle like I think this team's gonna give it a go, and then it's not gonna they're not gonna win that many games, and then trade deadline they're gonna start moving assets. Because I think it's gonna be one of these younger teams that starts moving up, like the Mavs or the Kings or even hell the Pelicans or something or T Wolves if they have CP3. I mean. So then you're out of the playoff pictures. The Mavericks here at 41 and a half. I feel like I'm going to take the over on this one. Yeah, I think I think Luca actually gets even better. I feel like they can definitely break 500. And I think teams won't know what to do with Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, he was a pretty yeah. Damn. I think uniform. for the first two months, everybody's gonna be like, "What the fuck do we do with this guy?" Uh, so then the next up is the Pelicans at 36 and a half. That feels optimistic. To feels me. like the most. Yeah, actually, it kind of feels like the most on point. I can see the Pelicans being, like, decently good fringe playoff team. But, ah, does that team stay healthy? It seems weird compared to all the other numbers I just mentioned. Like, if you didn't show me anything else, I'd say 36.5 sounds about right. Yeah, but then everything else is, like, super depressed. Yeah. Um Who's next? The Kings? Kings, 35 and a half. I feel like you got to take the over. Oh, I'm definitely taking the over. I'm taking the Kings see 40. Fucking 43 wins. I can see 41. 43 wins. Uh, Making the playoffs. Then the T-Wolves at 35 and a half. Uh, now predicated on a CP3 trade or a Wiggins trade. Really, feels really fucking high. I, I want to say like 20s. I'm going yeah. down. Uh then the Grizzlies at 27 and a half. I feel like you got to go <laughs> I think down. That's really high. Yeah, you I think go it's down. pretty high. And then even worse is the Suns at 26 and a half. Like, I'm taking the over on that one. I'll take the under. <laughs> With Devin Booker, they've lost more games every year. So they'd have to actually, to continue the trend, they'd have to, like, win less than, I think, 18 games. There's no way they win, more, like, less than 18 again. Like, I could definitely see, like, 30 games. I mean, you got, you got a real point guard now. All right. Put it this way. If Kyrie is like the most mercurial point guard in the league, who do you think is probably the second most mercurial point guard in the league? Devin Booker. Like, if there was a guy on a team that has like decent assets, it's like he just gets all fucking weird and he ends up just like a bitching about the, the young, the quote unquote young guys on the team. It's going to be Devin Booker, right? Yeah, he's like that Kyrie Cavs watch, like from ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't have faith in a Devin Booker led team. That's fair, but I, I think they've gotten better, and also have a new coach, probably a new GM. I just don't feel like they get worse compared to last year. So, anyway, CJ Warren. Oh God, you're right. Okay, I'm taking the under. I'm sorry, I changed my mind. So uh, why don't you why don't you lead us on to this next segment that you that you thought up all on your own? <laughs> so uh, earlier today I gave Matt some homework, um, you know, reflecting on the uh, last ten years of basketball, right? Two thousand nine ten season to this year, you know, ten ten glorious years where we've moved through the player empowerment era um, under the guidance of Obama and Adam Silver and. Uh, Let's, you know, the decade kind of started with Gordon Hayward's clang off the rim versus Duke. I mean, 
talk about uh, missed opportunities there. And, uh, you know, basically I gave Matt the uh, chance to come up with his team of the decade, top 12 players from the past 10 years. Um, but before we basically get to that, I just wanted to throw out what the uh, all-NBA teams were from 10 years ago. And uh, I guess just, just kind of get your beat on this. So uh, the 2008-2009 NBA first team at center, Dwight Howard. Fords, Dirk, Nowitzki, and LeBron James, and the backcourt of Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade. Boy, oh boy. LeBron is the one left standing. That's fucking unreal. Yeah, literally none of them have legs left. Uh, the second team in 2009 was center Yao Ming. Oh, nine, golly. Uh, forwards Tim Duncan, Paul Pierce, and the backcourt of CP3 and Brandon Roy. That seems like the most middle O's team I could have drawn up. And the third team, uh, also at center, Shaq. <laughs> Didn't realize Shaq was still making all-in in 2009. Shout out to the big guy. Wait, was this a Celtic Shaq? No, this might have been, uh, Suns. Suns Shaq? Or maybe, I think this was Suns, um... And then this was the year, I think, before you went to Cleveland. Okay. Uh, forwards, Carmelo, Anthony, Pogasol, in the backcourt of Tony Parker and Chauncey Billups, MVPs. Wow. That team Come wins some way, ten years without Carmelo. <laughs> so uh, none of these players are playing except for LeBron and Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, I mean, technically, Dwight hasn't retired. Hey, technically he's still in the league. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as part of this homework assignment Michael gave me, I actually was looking at all NBA teams from 2010 to the present year. And that's kind of how I'm actually based most of my decision was all NBA appearances, really. Okay, um, so before you jump in. I guess what was your mentality? Were you just trying to put together like an all-star team, or were you putting together a team that would actually fit together? And I was trying actually to actually win. Really consistent to the positions that the player plays. So it's kind of tough when you get an all-NBA because you have like this Kobe and Dwayne Wade at the guard spots. Neither of them are really one guards; they're both two guards, right? So in like right, a right. real team, you would have you'd probably like slot Chris Paul up the rank and put. Dwayne Wade down maybe or Kobe down I I don't know and same with like uh, you think more of like the present years where you have like you know Kawhi LeBron and Durant all play small forward mm -hmm. you could say oh, okay well you know sometimes they play four but really the only guy that's like had a meaningful time starting at four is Kevin Durant, really. Um, and and it's even harder today when you consider a lot of the guards now in the past 10 years that make All-NBA are pretty much all point guards. Um, you know, you're talking CP, Westbrook, Curry, Dame, Kyrie. I mean, these are all one right, guards. but Harden and Westbrook are basically converted two-point card. Harden was my exception. I was like, okay, Harden doesn't actually start at one. Therefore, he kind of counts as my two guard. But really, the only traditional twos anymore are like Clay Thompson. 
Yeah, Bradley Beal. Um, Chris Middleton. Yeah, Middleton. Very few and far between compared to the rest of those names, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big factor in my decision. That and, geez, the center pool is really weak right now. I, like, <laughs> I didn't realize DeAndre Jordan made first team All NBA three years in a row. Dude, he was he was big time. Like, I, but that the problem just is athleticism for a big man basically dies at the age of like thirty, thirty-one. So uh, you want you want me to go through the team now, or or you got any other? Yeah, yeah. Let's just go through the team. So, where's your starting five? All right. So my for my for my one guard, I have Chris Paul. And all right, are you doing just generic Chris Paul? Are you going with like a particular year Chris Paul, or like a you know like a like a era of Chris Paul? Like I'm kind of taking the um, decade view like standpoint. It would be like the Lop best City? version of Chris Paul. So probably that what 2013 Chris Paul. So like Lob City kind of Chris Paul, or are you going like Houston Chris Paul, or yeah, probably probably I Lob mean, City. Hornets even he was even on the Hornets. Was he on the Hornets at the very beginning, of the decade? Uh, that would be ten, I think, right? I think the trade happened in two thousand eleven. Yeah, probably be okay. fourteen so... Chris Paul because that was the year they beat the Spurs in the playoffs. That was probably his best, <laughs> his best moment. Um, and, and I pick him because. While you have a super fucking slotted point guard position, when you look at appearances all on the all NBA list, he's been in there pretty much every year since 2008. Um, and he's also probably the most traditional point guard on that list as well. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, he's basically probably the best point guard of definitely his generation, I would say. So that was a major factor in that choice. And so it makes my bench very guard heavy. Uh, so then for my two guard spot, I pick James Harden. Uh, Over Steph. Well, okay. So I have Steph as my six man. Oh my God. <laughs> because he's a point guard. You went with Harden at CP3, who between them have one MVP over arguably the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here's why I picked Harden, right? Of all the real two guards on the list, Harden, Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton, Bradley Beal. That feels like a really easy choice at that point. Yeah, okay. So that's why I picked that one. Uh, Do you think Harden is underrated right now? I don't if he's think making he your, If he's making your decade top five. Okay, I mean, so he's been all NBA from that two guard spot basically since 2013 so those first couple years he wasn't really basically he was like third team yeah. yeah so he was like first team basically the past seven years first or second team so yeah so that's a really big factor. starter yeah um okay you kind of gotta Small look forward. at it, the decade as a whole so uh number three my three position player should be pretty straightforward Don't say who you think you think I'm going to think of. He's pretty straightforward. I don't know, man. LeBron is like a point guard, though. <laughs> so I picked LeBron at my three spot. Feels like kind of a gimme. Well should have. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, big surprise. So then my four spot got a little interesting because 
when you look at your like power forwards on the all NBA teams, you have like Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge. You got Dirk for another couple of years. I think Tim Duncan's on a couple of these years still. Like it's really all over the place. Uh, so I ended up picking Kevin Durant here at the at my four guard spot, and it feels yeah, the yeah, best. I figured. He's, he he actually kind of plays four. Um, you know, I would like to have put like Kawhi or Paul George there, but they aren't really fours in my book, so I, I didn't put them there. Uh, and then the center spot is where it got really interesting because I really didn't want to pick DeAndre Jordan at all because I was like, that guy sucks <laughs> now. Like he had like two really good years made all in part due to having the best point guard of the decade. So I picked current NBA champion, Mark Gasol as my best center of the decade. Wow. Yeah. Did not see that one coming. It actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it though, you know, for all those years that the Memphis team was kind of in that dark horse of the West spot uh, his games translated really well. He's got a couple defensive player of the years, can shoot threes, uh, actually a center. So, I, I mean, there's a lot to look forward there to. I would have liked to have said Dwight Howard, but basically ever since 2014, he's really hit the ground hard. So, That's a pretty uh, interesting team. Very defensive lineup, too, with CP3, LeBron, and Marc Gasol. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's really good. So then my six-man role is Steph Curry because you can't not put the greatest shooter of all time in the six-man role. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense on that team too. Like, uh, And then, okay, so my, my seventh spot is where it got interesting. So I have Westbrook as my seventh best player of the decade. Um, Over Kawhi. Yeah. Kind of interesting. I I actually don't have. You don't have Kawhi on this list. No, he's he's like tied on the list. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, he's he's not he's not like you know if you run like an eight player deep playoff team, he's not on the team. What? Who do you have at the eight spot? So my eight spot's actually Paul George and Kawhi. It's like split between the two. I would take Kawhi over Paul George. See, you say that now, but if you look at the decade as a whole, Paul George made, you know, all NBA teams in Indiana before he got hurt. Yeah, but Kawhi was like the best player for the Spurs in 2013 and 2014. 2017, he might have actually killed the Golden State Dynasty the first time. And then he just fucking won a championship in Toronto. Yeah, but that's two really good years. Like, that's two, like, astronomically great years, right? Maybe three. I'll give you three years out of a decade. Like, I don't know if I can live with not playing him a whole season, playing him half a season. Paul George was out for an entire season. But he actually broke his leg. We don't actually know what happened with Kawhi. There was definitely an injury. The man was still hobbled when he, like, picked up the, the, uh, the finals trophy. The man was hobbling around. So I got to give it to Paul George just slightly because of the actual decade of work factor. Wow. Probably pick Kawhi over Paul George. Like if it was just off the past couple years, like it makes a lot of sense to me, but some of those early tens years, Kawhi is not on that list at all. I mean, I'm just, just saying, dude, like he guarded LeBron. 
He guarded KD. He guarded Giannis. What more do you want from this man? I just need to see it over a decade. All right. Uh, I'll take it that he's at your nine spot, so 10. Yeah, I mean, they're tied 10 for 8. 12. So, so yeah. I'll say that nine, then, is Anthony Davis, which when you look at all NBA teams, it's kind of weird because he, he's bounced between forward and center, and he hasn't really had that many appearances even though he's been an all-star for quite some time. Um, but that's just such a... I guess my problem is, one, I need a center slash forward. <laughs> so they, I need I need him for that reason, just for positionally. But I like how you have Anthony Davis starting behind Marc Gasol. <laughs> that's, like, insane to, like, think about now. Yeah. But, I mean, then again, you know, you think about it again, you know, Marc Gasol's had a whole decade of work. Davis has had what, like? Well, he's only been in the league for seven, six, seven years, so. Yeah, I mean, it makes it a little unfair, but those first three years were pretty bad. Pretty garbage. Pretty garbage. Yeah. So, uh, and then my ten slash eleven slash twelve is where it gets just fucking weird as fuck, because now you're talking people with like three Please all NBA Wall. appearances. Please say John Wall. Oh no, I didn't say him at all. <laughs> uh, so. I think tied at 10, I have Dame and Blake. You know, Blake really makes sense for the first half of this decade. I would totally agree with you. And Dame totally makes sense in the second half of the decade. Yeah. They're both kind of like the half. I mean, if Dame is like my 10th guy on a team, that's fucking awesome. I mean, if Blake's your 10th guy on a team, that's pretty good too. But he's playing behind LeBron and (laughs) Davis. And Kevin Durant. I mean, that makes a lot of sense in that order. Uh, so then my 11th spot is like this honorary currently has no legs award, but was really good those first couple years. And that's Kobe or Dwight. <laughs> wow, Kobe. I That's a lot, man, because he didn't even play, I think, in 2011, right? Or no, he did. Did he? He died in 13. Yeah, but no, there was like 2011, because like that was when they had Dwight and Steve Nash together, right? Yeah. And I don't think Kobe was there for that team because he got injured. That was the shoulder season, I think. Yeah, and then, so, I mean, for the most of the decade, like you're basically just giving it on his like legacy. Yeah, as kind opposed of. To, yeah. All right. And that's why I have him tied with Dwight, because Dwight had, you know, he had a couple good years there after... Seven, eight, nine. When he was really solid, you know, MVP level, pretty much. But obviously, has nosedived ever since then. So, so you're not taking Tim Duncan or Dirk? That was a really hard argument for me too, especially leaving Tim Duncan off the list. Or Kyrie. So my next spot is Giannis. He's my last player on the list. Off like the past three years? Yeah. (laughs) Basically off of the past two years. Oh my. You gotta think, he was just a nobody for for many years. So you didn't take Mello either? No, I didn't take Mello. Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade? See, I I love them. I love those guys for their couple really good years, but... The decade of work isn't there for those guys. 
but but Giannis it is. I mean, I know he just won an MVP, but come on, man. Like, at best, you can say for three years I've been on Giannis watch. Yeah, you've got three years of Giannis watch in the All-NBAs. You have three years of Carmelo watch in the All-NBAs. And one of those has an MVP, and we'll probably get another one. So, Also, it fits positionally really well. Like, that's that kind of first lineup, that second lineup look really good on paper. Okay, interesting that you have all the OKC guys. You have uh, Harden, Westbrook, and Katie. Yeah. I almost wanted to make all three of them in my starting, but I realized I would be a little too gracious to Westbrook. <laughs> like, the stats oh, are there, but the, the wins aren't there. Um, other guys, yeah. kind of one-shot wonders. You know, you've got one really good Isaiah Thomas year. Um, oh well, okay. Well, I mean, you had one really good Derrick Rose year, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's why they're not on the list. You got a Kemba year, you got a Kyle Lowry year, you got a you got a couple Clay Thompsons in there. You know, he's a pretty good person to say should be on the list. Second greatest shooter of all time, plays pretty much every game. Really good defender. Um, that's a really good one to put on there. Uh, just off all NBAs, you could say. DeAndre Jordan or Rudy Gobert or DeMarcus Cousins. They, I think they all have three, maybe four. Um, I have a hard time picking any of those guys right now just because yeah, I was really trying to get a look at the entire breadth of, you know, January 1, 2010 to, mm. you know, January 1, 2020. And I feel like all those guys I mentioned have just been basically in their prime for almost the whole decade. Especially on that first team, that one through five, Harden's probably the biggest exception to that, just because it's really been last four the last years. five years, maybe. But those five years have also been really good. I mean, MVP conversation almost every year. So who's been your MVP of the decade? And you can't say LeBron. So if you have to go over the whole decade and assign, here's like the MVP. MVP for the whole decade. Who are you giving it to? That's tough. And I'm just going to throw LeBron out of the conversation because obviously yeah. it would go to him. Yeah, it would. I mean, fucking eight NBA finals. <laughs> am, I counting, am I counting postseason? Because, you know, MVP normally doesn't. That's your choice. I feel like I shouldn't, for for fairness sake. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be Harden or Steph. Wow. Right? Because Steph basically has changed how we all view the game, how we all mm. build our teams. Harden has kind of done the same, but has also been like the best isolation scorer in like 30 years which is a really big mantle to carry um also both have been in the mvp conversation for like the past five years which is almost half a decade compared to lebron who's been in it the entire decade um maybe durant would be a dark horse i'd say he'd be uh he'd be the next one on the list Okay, so which, 
So here are the past 10 MVPs. Uh, obviously, this past year, Giannis, before that was Harden, Westbrook, Steph twice, KD, LeBron twice, Derrick Rose, and LeBron in 2010. We, who had the best MVP season? So whether or not they won the, you know, what they did in the postseason, out of all of these uh, 10, 10 seasons, which one was which MVP season was the most exciting, or who was just like the best MVP that year? Or I think it's a tie yeah. for me between sixteen Steph and fourteen KD. Oh, that's interesting. You know they would be teammates uh, the year after. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? And then neither of them win the MVP. Uh, <laughs> you got to remember that sixteen Steph years, the seventy three win year. That's the year with the crazy OKC game. That right, seals right. Durant's fate. You know, that was like... If I was going to pick a Steph year, it'd probably be that one. Minus the uh, blunder uh, in the postseason. Minus the blunder in in the yeah. finals. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. They started out 24-0. Like, that almost in itself is like, fuck it, yeah, give them. Like, they had the great uh, Celtics games where the Celtics were like the only team that could beat them with Isaiah Thomas. They started out 24-0 and then they lost to uh, Giannis. And then I think I have to put 14 KD in there because I think that was like the single most impressive scoring. Just like, fuck you scoring Yeah, it was pretty fucking unreal. I know what Harden did this year, but like... It feels like KD did that, but it looked more impressive. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) It felt like KD had just figured out how to win the MVP trophy by like November. And it was a scoring title too, I think, right? Oh yeah, hands yeah. And like, plus, it like, was the so meme afterwards. Game. You know, he's got the crying oh, meme. Oh yeah, you real MVP. Yeah, yeah. Mom, you the real MVP. So you left off LeBron all three times. Yeah, most of and mostly, your guy Derrick Rose. Yeah, I mean, we all know the Derrick Rose one is uh, LeBron fatigue. So I didn't even want to put that in there. I think uh, you know, nineteen Giannis is a little bit of heart and fatigue. Westbrook's just like, oh, he averaged a triple double. We gotta give it to him. Fuck Katie. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And uh, thirteen, twelve, and ten, LeBron. I really like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, LeBron. Yeah, that was really good too, because that's the like prime twenty seven game winning streak. Yeah, that's pretty unstoppable. But you it's know, like he, prime LeBron. He had a lot of help though. They didn't win seventy three games, and he didn't set a scoring title. Okay. Uh, I guess kind of like a corollary. Who's the best sidekick of the past decade? Uh, I didn't know who to put for some of these years. So 2019, I'm not sure who like constitutes the sidekick, but 18 was Steph, 17 Steph, 16 Kyrie, 15 Clay, 14 Kawhi, 13 Kawhi, 12 Wade, 11 not really sure, and 10 Pau Gasol. So basically. Outside of 2013, all these guys won the title, and they were basically the best sidekick on a title-winning team. Uh, I didn't really know what to do with 2011, 2013, 2019, so you have some discretion. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a weird weird pick here. It's like, who's the MVP to the MVP on the championship team? So, yeah, 19 is really awkward. I almost want to say I really liked 16 Kyrie. Yeah, I felt like the most Batman and Robin-y, you know? Game 5, 41 points. Like, if I had to think, like, true sidekick, like, you know, sidekick's not 
a hero of his own comic book. You know, before this, Kyrie was just like, you know, one of the top five isolation point guards in the league, right? And you, we know 18 and 17, Steph, like, I almost can't even count those just because it's like, oh, well, he was the best guy in 16 and 15. <laughs> so 15 Clay, that was like his uh, coming out party, really, where they both had like 300 threes in a season, and they, it's really where they became the Splash Brothers. Mm-hmm. I like that one a lot, too. Um, I don't know if I can put Kawhi as a sidekick when that whole team was a big, you know, the three and pop, like almost too many sidekicks on that team. <laughs> uh, 12 Wade's really solid, though, even though he's his own star. Uh, 10 Pow is also, I think I'm going to go 16 Kyrie. It just feels the most Batman and Robin-esque. It does, because he's basically the best side guy since like 01 Kobe you know like yeah. 01 Kobe is like the best sidekick of all time and then he also takes on Steph like right in the middle of the Steph run right because he's like back to back MVP and then I basically said he's like back to back like sidekick MVP and Kyrie basically chops that whole Golden State Dynasty pretty much forces Kevin Durant to have to come to that team I mean that's kind of the split in the uh the Steph kind of kind of universe, right? He takes down the two-time MVP. Yeah, I mean, just like pretty fucking crazy. It's fucking wild to think that team beat a seventy-three and nine team with you know Channing Fry and Kevin Love and Amon Shumpert playing and meaningful JR, minutes. Yeah. Okay, so then you have here ranking the the last ten NBA champs. Yeah. So, I mean. You need me to go back through it. I mean, Golden State's like half these, but yeah, yeah. So we know it's Toronto, Golden State, the third, the second, and then Cleveland. Then Golden State's first. The Spurs upset the dynasty. Two Miamis, a Dallas, and a Lakers. Um, geez. So out of those ten teams, which team, if they played like each other in like some kind of melee, which team is uh, dying within like the first six seconds? Feels like eleven Dallas. I it feels like it. <laughs> I hate doing Dirk that wrong though. You know, fifteen Golden State compared to seventeen and eighteen is really not that good either. Like you gotta remember <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> they beat LeBron they solo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those are probably the worst two, I'd say. I feel like if it was just played head to head right now. I got a hard time saying the 10 Lakers just off of a numbers game with all these other teams. Plus you have Kawhi on two of them that would obviously match up against Kobe, which would be really sick. And then the actual LeBron Kobe matchups that we never got. <laughs> so I think the 10 Lakers would be my next out. Um, Then is the 16 Cleveland better than the 14 Spurs? Ooh, that's tough. It's always hard to judge the Spurs, right? Because they're so smart, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's like you know, 
you still got Tony Parker and Manu and Timmy, and like you run twelve deep on that team. You got your LeBron stopper and Kawhi. Yeah, I I have a hard. I feel like they'd have a hard time keeping the points up though. Like, I think Kyrie would just absolutely demolish that team. And I think Kevin Love is just too much on offense for a uh, Tim Duncan. Yeah, so I think I have to take the fourteen Spurs out. So then, okay, twelve and thirteen Miami. I don't really remember which one's better. Probably thirteen Miami. Thirteen has Ray Allen. So I don't know if that swings your vote either way. Yeah, okay, we'll take the 13 Miami, and we'll take uh, 18 Golden State just to have the best of each world. So now we're talking 19 Raptors, 18 Golden State, 16 Cleveland, and 13 Miami. Certainly that Cleveland team looks the worst out of those four. I don't know. I Toronto is, is just weird. It's just such a weird team because I don't know if they win against 18 Golden State or Miami. Their best chance would be against Cleveland. But who but stops like Marcus Gasol? Well, if LeBron and Kawhi play each other to a standstill, then it's like Kyle Lowry versus Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and that just, like, even the combination of Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry versus Kyrie Irving. Yeah, but who stops Siakam, right? I don't know, man. Kevin Love was really good in 2016. Fucking guarded Steph Curry in Game 7. Right, but Siakam's like two inches taller than Kevin Love and athletic. Like, I... I... But Kevin Love's a better shooter. This is tough. I want to say it's the it's got to end up being 18 Golden State versus 13 right. Miami. Yeah, okay. There we go. Let's just, let's just stock off Toronto and Cleveland. Let's just say in the semis, they're out. So, all right. So, Miami versus Golden State. The Heatles versus the Hamptons Five. Golly, that's tough. Seven-game series. Who's winning it? I think it's Golden State. There's just too much firepower. There's too many people you got to address on that team. You have five all-stars. 2018? Yeah. Oh, are we counting Iggy as like, I mean, finals like MVP at the time, but the LeBron yeah. stopper. <laughs> well, they have two LeBron stoppers. They have Katie and Iggy. I mean, you know, but then to... you have prime LeBron. I mean, yeah, this is prime LeBron. I mean, this is bully ball LeBron, like. And also, you have the inventor of like the stretch five, Chris Bosh. Yeah, but. The whole Golden State team can shoot threes. Draymond and Iggy, come come on, bro. Dwayne Wade doesn't shoot threes in thirteen. All right, Steph versus Ray Allen. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you mean Clay Thompson versus Ray Allen? <sighs> That's really tough. I'd like to sim this on NBA just to see what would happen. <laughs> Uh, maybe we will. Maybe we will. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's your homework for next week. Yeah. All right. And my final uh, question is uh, much more pop culture related. Who won the decade, Avengers or Game of Thrones? Oh, it's definitely Game of Thrones. No, actually, wow, it probably quick. isn't. Yeah, no, it's not. 
long has Game of Thrones been around? Only like three years, right? Nah, it started in 2011. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, so basically half a decade. Oh, like God. 2011 to 2019. That's, I mean, it's it's close enough to being this. But Avengers decade. like revolutionized the movie industry. But Game of Thrones has revolutionized television. Yeah, the whole streaming economy. Golly. I, I, I also, I think Game of Thrones like changed the idea of like subverting expectations and shit. Yeah, plus, it's like books and really high production TV that just really wasn't a thing. Right, yeah, I'll it's got to go way. Game of Thrones for me. I'll put it this way. The Ringer uh, started in 2016. Which do you think has been more valuable to the Ringer? Game of Thrones or the Avengers? Oh, Game of Thrones, 100%. There you go, man. That's the answer. And that's the end of our podcast for this episode of Hard in the Paint. As always, you can find us in the email or in the comments or in the DMs. We always appreciate anything you send us. We hope you enjoyed our wonderful look back on the 2010s. Pretty insightful, pretty interesting. Maybe I'll sim this championship matchup. Uh, would be would be really interesting. I got a feeling Miami would probably win the sim, but no, it actually probably would end up being eighteen and thirteen, <laughs> according to the sim, because the, the sim just doesn't know what to do with Steph Curry. Um, so with that, we will see you all next time for more NBA talk. Hopefully, a Chris Paul trade and more exciting sponsors. <laughs>